and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. All right. Who is this? We're gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and share again before we continue to worship. We're 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 looking at the worshiping community once again, and so. Um, if you weren't here last week, I would strongly, I don't always say this, um, just because it sounds kind of weird, but you should listen to the message that was given last week, because this is like the second part. Um, and last week, I understand, when I, when you gave me a long time to preach, apparently I took a long time. I didn't realize that. Um, did you know, I mean, I preached for um, 110 minutes last week. You knew that, right? No, it wasn't really that long. Okay, 55 minutes, which is a lot longer than normal, I think. But um, maybe for some of you it felt, you know, it always feels that long. But we've been looking at, we looked at the community in Acts 13. So we're going to start there first. I'm going to review real quickly. And then we're going to look at the biblical expressions of worship. In other words, we're going to look at what the Bible says how the people of God express themselves in worship to the Lord. Because that's important. I mean, we, need, we need to look at, you know, we need to, this is the, this is the point of, of everything about worship is saying, how, how do we worship God? What's some ways we, we, we can worship God? doesn't mean we have to be limited to just what's in the Bible, um, as long as it's not something, you know, that's bringing worship to anybody other than Jesus Christ, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Um, so Acts 13, we looked at this amazing community and it's in the church at Antioch. There are prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch and Saul while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting or the other translation is while they were ministering to the Lord, which basically means offering up worship to the Lord. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed more, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And what we talked about last week was how this this was not necessarily a church service. See, this was a community. This was a group of people who got something that worship was a part of their DNA. Worship was a part of who they were. And we shared the illustration of, of Hernhut and the Moravian Revival in the 1700s that they would wake up with a song in their mouths and they would go to bed with a song as they laid down. That, the, that the worship, that lifting up things to the Lord was so natural to them that it was, like, it was like their breath. It was like breathing out. And I think this is what this same community... And see, worship released something. When, and we looked at Jack Hayford who's our president at the Foursquare Live, said this about worship. And this was from several scriptures you'll see there on the notes. If you didn't get notes, you may want to get them this morning. Um, seriously. Um, I want people... This is, God, this is God sharing. In other words, he's saying this is how God views worship. I want people to understand that I want to dwell among them. I want to meet them. I want, to, I want them to hear me speak to them. And that's a summary of, of the several scriptures, Ephesians 2, 1 Corinthians 10, Exodus 25, that worship 
is about meeting God. And that worship releases something. That worship draws the presence of God and God speaks. Why does worship draw the presence of God? Is God in us? Yes, God lives in every single follower of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. But there's something about just the presence of God all over. And I don't necessarily know that I even understand it. But in heaven, the presence of God is all over the place. And so when we worship, there's this atmosphere. We're joining with with what's going on in the heavenlies right now all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That there's, that there's these angels that are, that are crying out and bowing their faces. That when, when Isaiah saw the vision of heaven, he saw the Lord. And what did he see? He saw these angels crying out, as they, but they covered their faces, crying out to one another, Holy! 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 Worship is powerful. And we also shared last week, briefly, well, not briefly, we, we talked about the power of music and singing in worship, that there is something about that, and that music is, is a powerful weapon, and it's used by God and by the devil. I mean, the devil just tries to counterfeit everything God does, and we talked about false anointing on some secular music, that some groups have uh, a power that's not their own, and it's a demonic power. That's what I believe. Um, I can't prove it from the Bible. Um, sorry. That's just what I sense in my spirit. And that's one of the reasons I don't listen to secular music. Um, if you do, that's between you and God. It's not, it's not a requirement thing. It's not a thing where you should go, well, I'm just, I, if Pastor John's not doing it, then I'm not going to do it. No. Let, listen to the Lord. Let God speak to you. I mean, he's probably going to make some changes. He's, I mean, he doesn't, I don't listen to some Christian music. If, it, if it's not full of the presence of God, I don't want to hear it very long. I want something that's going to draw me into His presence. I want something where I can sense a passion that's from a person full of the Holy Spirit crying out to Jesus. And if that's not there, then... I mean, it's, just, it's a nice song, but I don't want to dwell in that place. I want something to draw me to Him. I want something to, to encourage me to get to Him. And it, that has nothing to do with style. We talked about that. It wasn't, it's not about style. See, people have got confused saying... Rock music is of the devil. What they were sensing was the presence of something else. It had nothing to do with the style. There can be, there can be a false anointing on country or pop or nice, easy listening. It's, it's from the spirit which the song and music was birthed will be on the music, will be on the, that thing. And so it's the same thing with us. And so what that means is that Christians should be making the most powerful anointed music in the entire earth because we have God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have His power of His presence. We have the power of His uniqueness. We have the power of His creativity. And so we don't have that in Christian music, though. Um, not a lot. And one thing we're trying to do um, with, is resources. When we find we have some groups back there, worship CDs and soaking stuff, that is really full of the presence of God. And we don't do that so the church doesn't make money. We're just trying to get you stuff that will draw you into the presence of God. And so there's some stuff back there if you want to check it out. Um, but it's, it's intentional. It's not just that John likes that CD or Melissa likes that CD. It's like, hey, here's something that when I put this on, I know there's, there's something powerful in this worship. There's something powerful in the presence of just when they play the instruments. So that's... Should have done it that short last week, huh? 
That was... The, <laughs> that was... And we talked about worship being abandoning, spontaneous. Um, all the There's a bunch of different things we went through. And so today, what I want us to do is we're going to look through the Scripture and we're going to look at the biblical expressions of worship. See, because I, I believe there's something in having all expressions of worship that are, that are in the Bible. I think there's something to that. And... Some of us, um, and it, it, it works personally, and it works as a people, as a group, corporately. Um, many times, God will have to, you know, release something personally in you in your personal worship times with Him before you'll express yourself publicly. And that's just, hey, that's that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, God's sneaky with me. Sometimes He just, you know makes me skip the private and just go straight for the public. So, um, and some, we're going to go through 12 things. And see, the, the thing we have to remember, though, is that worship is from the heart, just as we talked last week, that worship is, is, a, is a response to God, that worship is not a form, worship is not a, not a structure, but these are some expressions of worship. So it doesn't mean that you say, whoa, wow, so a banner is worship, so now automatically if I just wave a banner, that's worship. No. If it's done from your heart, and the Holy Spirit, remember, is the, is the ultimate worship leader, the Holy Spirit will lead you to pick up a banner, or to clap, or to sing out to Him, or to be quiet. And those are some of them. Um, but we're going to look at the Scripture. But first of all, let His goodness permeate you and draw you into his love then you'll worship in a new way see a, a new revelation of who god is will draw me to express myself in worship and many times what what's effective this is just a practical thing before we get into these is start with the familiar and allow the holy spirit to move you into the unique and creative in your worship or the new, or the new expression of worship I believe that God calls His church to use everything that's in the Scriptures for worship. And we are limiting ourselves with the power of the weapon of worship. Because there is, there is a sense that, it, that it's also warfare in the Spirit. When, when the people of God, you know, let, let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hands, that they may break off the, the bondages and... and Put the enemy down. Um, uh, Psalm 8 says, From the mouths of infants and babes you have ordained praise that the enemy might be silenced. There's something powerful when children worship. It says the devil has to shut up when children worship. From the mouths of infants and children you have ordained praise that the, the mouth of the foe may be silenced. That's Psalm 8.3, I believe. Um, I, I, don't, I think there's something in that, but I still haven't prayed it through. I'm just throwing it out there to you. Um, so, number one. So, this is going to be a little bit different. We're just going to go through 12, 12 expressions, and we're going to look at the Scriptures. So, number one. Number one is singing. Um, pretty basic, but very important. There's, there are so many scriptures about singing to the Lord in the Bible. 
I can't list them all here. I mean, I just li- there's just each one has a list of several. Many of these have singing probably have the most, maybe over a hundred uh, of references to singing to the Lord. But so let's read together. I'm gonna have you read some of these. Psalm 911. Um, read it together with me. Sing praises to the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what He has done. See, it's a command, too. It's, it, but, see, God's commands are always an invitation to enter into His freedom. Revelation 5, 9 through 14. Um, this is just showing you that... Let's look, let's look at that one. You don't have to read it with me. And they sang a new song. See, this is a picture of, of John seeing heaven. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And it goes on and they begin to praise and praise and praise and praise and worship and worship. And, but they're singing. It's all throughout Scripture. Singing. You know what? We get that one pretty well. We, we do pretty well at that one. I'm not talking about just our church. I'm just saying in general, the people of God, we've got this one. So I'm not going to spend too much time. Number two is shouting. Psalm 47.1. Let's read this one together. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Shouting is a part of worship. And I'm so excited that we kind of shouted there, that Melissa did that. She doesn't know what I'm talking about today. Um, at the end of our, our first worship time, with everlasting, we were singing the song Everlasting God. But then it was like, we, let's shout to the Lord. Let's let something out. Let, let's free something up. Now... Again, it's under the leading of the Holy Spirit. You can shout and you can just waste your breath and, you know, and that, that's great. If God's calling you to be silent, don't, don't shout. But there, there is something powerful that happens when the people of God shout. We all know, um, you may know the story, I'm not going to assume you know the story of the Battle of Jericho. But the people of God marched around the city seven days in silence. And on, six days in silence. On the seventh day, they marched around seven times. And on the seventh time, it says they shouted and blew the trumpets and the walls came down. I don't think that was just a, you know, a fun story. There was something in that because the Holy Spirit led them to shout that walls came down. And when the Holy Spirit leads you to shout personally or in the group, the walls fall down. Something happens. Shouting. Number three. I mean, we could, these could all be bright messages, but we're going to try to go through them quickly. Number three is lifting hands or lifting your hands. Lifting hands to the Lord. Psalm 63, 4. All right, let's read it together. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. See, there's something in lifting the hands. (laughs) See, all these will get going. Man, there's something about that. And, you know, that's a pretty familiar one to us in our congregation, too. We're pretty familiar with a lot of these. Most of them, in fact. Uh, which is which is exciting. That just means we're on the journey and, and God's going, man, you, you've gone a long ways. But I remember 
I remember when I was about 10 or 11 and I wanted to lift my hands in worship. But I was scared about what my parents would think. Okay? Unbelievable. First of all, if you don't know me, I'll let you know a little bit. My parents had been pastors. We weren't, they weren't senior pastors at the time. They were teaching at a Bible college. They lift their hands in worship. They love Jesus. So why in the world would I be concerned? It wasn't about what everybody else thought. I mean, this is serious. I mean, this is how, you know, the enemy will hold your worship back. As an example, there, I'm worried about my parents. They're probably, and I think I've told this group, they're, of course, they're going to be thrilled if I'm lifting my hands in worship. They're going to be thrilled that I'm learning to worship God, that I'm entering into new things, whatever it may be. But in my mind, for some reason, it was like we get to worship and I wanted to, I wanted to express myself to God. I, I, you know, I wanted to lift that up, but it was like, what are they going to think? You know, are they, are they watching me? I mean, they probably weren't anyway. They're probably worshiping the Lord. <laughs> I don't know. I sat in a different spot at that point. You know, as a, you know, getting to be a teenager, you can't sit with your parents in, in the service. So I'm, I'm, I was up on the second row, though. They were farther back. Um, I don't know why. But think how foolish it was to think, man, I could lift my hands. Because it was for the Lord. It wasn't for show. I mean, I wasn't trying to be noticed. It was, not, it was just... As a, as a seventh grader, 11 years old, I wanted to lift my hands to Jesus. But there was a fear there. And see, some of these things, there, there's, there's bondages or there's lies that have been spoken to us that say, oh, what's, what's this person going to think? What, what's so-and-so? Or there's another thing is like, you know, if you've done something with your hands that's bad, sinful, um, with, you know, there's many examples your hand has been somewhere where you know God didn't want it to be. There's a shame. You don't want to lift the, your hands to the Lord because you're ashamed of where your hands have been. But see, that's, that's a lie again. Because when you lift your hands to the Lord, if He's leading you to lift them, your hands become cleansed. As you come to Him in honesty and repentance and worship, that He cleanses those. And then it's as if your hands had never been in that place. Don't be stuck in a bondage or a lie or a fear um, in any of these things. Because these, and, and the other thing is this, we'll get to some of these and you'll say, that's not for me. Well, if you're a people of God, if you're a person of God, these are all for you. Sorry, they're all for you. Um, this is how the people of God express themselves. Will, maybe, and see, lifting the hands is a very popular one among Pentecostals. It's, it's pretty much, it's not a big deal anymore. You know, it, it maybe used to be, I didn't go through that time it may have been but now it's kind of no big deal but with any of these it doesn't mean that you're going to express yourself all the time like that it just means that this is a way that you can express yourself and each one of these brings a unique expression of worship and they also bring a unique um, effect in the spirit when we worship in that way because there's certain things that happen when we lift our hands. There's certain things that happen just by singing out. There's certain things that happen by shouting. So you get to, you get this, you get to enter into all these. They're so exciting. Number four is clapping. And this is going to be Psalm 47.1 again we're going to look at. Clapping. Let's read it again. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. 
This is one that we don't quite fully get in our community right here. And I don't know if it's... If it's uh, um, I don't think it's necessarily like a rhythm thing. Some people say, hey, I can't clap on beat. Um, that's not the point. Clapping on, it doesn't say clap on beat to the Lord, all you people. It says clap your hands. Your hands. That there's something that happens when the people of God join together and clap their hands. That something is released. That when we worship Him, that in unison, there's a sound coming forth that breaks the power of the enemy, that lifts up the name of Jesus, that draws the presence of God, that announces the sound that the people of God are here, that they are alive, that they are full of praise, they are full of power, and they are full of joy. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Give Him praise this morning. Hallelujah. We praise You, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord. See, we can do it. (laughs) It's not an ability issue. It may be a... uh, I, I think, there, and this, from the time I've been at the church, we've, we've just not really been much of a clapping church. And I feel like that's one area where the Lord says, you need to grow, you need to be released in that to understand that during praise, especially, that there is something about clapping the hands in unison. And there's something about that expression of worship that, that releases something in the Spirit. It, see, it's, it's a sound that, see, anything... If, if you're a Christian, you've got the Holy Spirit. And so everything you do from your spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, that expresses itself in your body, affects the spirit realm. The devil certainly doesn't like us clapping to the Lord and lifting Him up. It's like, you know, the applause of heaven. It's, it's, it's the sound of His defeat. It's, it, and, it, and for God, it's the sound of victory. It's the sound of rejoicing. It's the sound of joy. And something happens. The angels are drawn to it. And it's, when angels join you in worship, you sense their presence too. And, and things happen. So that's one that God is going to continue to grow us in and release us in. Number five. Number five. Here's a good one. Number five is dancing. There's a lot of scriptures about dancing before the Lord. Um, the story, um, before we, you can put Psalm 149.3 up there, Trey. Um, we'll get to that in a second. But there's the story of David when he, when he brings the ark of God back into the city of God. And the ark of God in the Old Testament represented the recognizable presence of God. And when he brought the ark back the right way, um, finally... It says David danced before the Lord. That he's kind of stripped down to whatever it was he stripped down to. Um, and he was so overcome with joy that he just danced. 
and he danced and didn't care who saw him. It didn't matter who was there. He did it in front of everyone. And then his wife later came up to him and said, how foolish you've been. You look like an idiot before all these, all the slave girls, all the people. You know, here's the king and he's dancing like a fool in front of everybody. And David said, says back to her, you know, don't you, don't basically, don't you get it? I have to do, I was doing this unto the Lord and I will become even more undignified than this. And somebody else may think it's foolishness, but I'm going to, I'm going to become even more foolish, even in my own eyes unto the Lord. See, and there's some things, some of us have done things, you know, and maybe, maybe we've done something. Well, I know there's, We've done something and somebody else says something about it. Hey, can you like keep that down? Can, can you stop doing that? Can, that was a little bit distracting. There was a time where we had a... This has been a couple months ago where we had the kids in for worship at this time and, and one of the children who remain, remained nameless <laughs> had the tambourine. And just beating that tambourine off the beat like you wouldn't believe, or, you know, probably, at, you know, not the time I'd use the tambourine. Probably, you know, not the time you'd use the tambourine. I don't, I don't think I've ever used a tambourine that much. Um, God will probably have me pick it up in a minute here. Um, you know, and, just, and then, then the worship music, for whatever reason, and the point of the song, it just went quiet. It was like this quiet part of the song. And all you could hear was was the child walking in front, bam, bam, bam. You know, it's like this word, oh, Jesus, we love you, and lift your bam, bam, ching, ching, ching. <laughs> and this happened here. I mean, you may not have noticed. And for a second, it was like, Ashley was actually in at this point. It must have been we were just leaving them in. And I looked at her, and it was like we both looked at each other, and it was like, and then I just started to laugh. And what she felt was, she, she it was for her first instinct, her first reaction was, hey, Hey, stop that. It's, it's a quiet part now. Don't do that. But then she felt the Lord say, no, don't touch him. Because he's doing it for me. And he was. Now, sometimes the kids, we stop them because they're not, they're not worshiping. And we want them to, to learn, hey, are, are you, we're just checking. Are you worshiping with your banner or are you just running around waving it? Because it's okay to teach somebody and you're not saying, hey, don't ever do that. You're doing it in a way that says, hey, are, are you worshiping? And, you know, especially if, Miss Ashley does it to them, they're fine. You know, I don't try to mess with that. Um, they'll probably, oh, the pastor jumped. <laughs> I'm never doing that again. You know, but, but see, if we would have stopped that expression of worship, what would that have done? Something would have died in that young child that day. See, and it, he was doing it under the Lord. Totally undignified. It didn't matter. I mean, it was, you know, and what an example of worship. Our worship, man, we're so concerned. Man, what is somebody else going to think about it? If God has you run around with a tambourine and bang it, then and it's the Holy Spirit drawing you, do it. If it's the Holy Spirit, it's not going to be distracting. Even that was not really distracting. It was just, it gave you a laugh. But then you were like, man, how, how fun that we can be a people who allow that to go on. So, trying to move forward. Dancing, uh, 149 verse 3. Um, let them praise... Okay, hold on. Here we go. All together. 
Let them praise His name with dancing and make music to Him with tambourine and harp. Well, it's kind of interesting. The tambourine's on there. Um, God may call you to dance. Dance before Him. Dance unto the Lord. You know, I, I, I always think of the Scripture that um, it's in Romans 16, 19, and 20. Um, um, I know there's a song. I'm trying to think of the words. But then it says, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. There's just something about dancing. The other week, God had me dance, and I was... Um, I like to do that, so it's you know it's, maybe it's easier, but... I like to just jump and dance before the Lord. I do it privately. Um, I, I do it on my own. And I do it publicly. I just, you know, I just worship God. And, you know, I felt like I was dancing for a purpose. So the Lord said, okay, when, when you dance for this song, I think we were singing, this is how we overcome. And I was, I was dancing for some of my cousins to overcome and the chains to be broken off of them so that they could enter into relationship with Jesus. And you know, I just did in obedience to the Lord. Hey, I'm dancing for that. When I'm dancing, this is how we overcome. I am stomping and I am believing that I am joining with the Spirit of God and something is being broken off of them right now. A way is being made. Dancing before the Lord with all of our might. Very freeing. Now, if your body doesn't allow you to do that, um, you know, you can still do... I don't know. I mean... Now, you see why I stick to the jumping, huh? <laughs> but, but I, you know, I will be honest. I have seen, I have seen those who are not 30, <laughs> who are way beyond 30, um, and that's wonderful. But who get out and you know what? It doesn't look like me, but but I knew they were dancing. They were they were moving in a way that was it was not just standing still. They were dancing before the Lord. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's, it's the heart set. It's, it's not the form. It's the heart. But it's the heart that's dancing before God. Number six. Number six. Here we go, guys. Banners. <laughs> Psalm 20, verse 5. We will sh- shout for joy when you are victorious... And we'll lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now see, these banners right here may not, they're probably not the same that they used back then. Um, A, they've got plastic. Um, Okay. But you remember when, when uh, Rayana Fields was here with the, the what is their ministry name? Kaleidoscope and, and the Christ for the Nations. And she talked about authority. That waving a banner is a sign of authority. That, it, that it, it's a declaration. And all these colors, see, they mean something. There's meaning in each of the colors on banners. And it's, it's amazing to watch how Sometimes people will pick up a certain banner, and um, some people know the colors. Uh, <laughs> the rest of us 
don't necessarily know all the colors. And you'll see somebody pick up a flag who may not know the colors, but it'll be a, a, a color that I recognize. And I know, oh, wait, that's, that's talking about healing right now. And, it's, and right then we're praying for healing, and someone is just picking up a banner that's healing and waving it before the Lord. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've used, I've worshipped with a banner before. See, worship is not for you, it's for God. That banner doesn't do nothing for me personally. <laughs> I don't, I'm not, I'd rather dance, I'd rather run around the room, I'd rather shout, laugh, sing, uh, clap my hands, um, be silent. I'd rather just be about do anything else. But because in obedience to God, and I know there's something released when I worship waving a banner before the Lord. See, this is the thing. You go to a football game, high school or college, people are waving the banners. They're waving the name of their school. They're waving the mascot of their school. And they're doing it with all their might. And then we come into a church gathering and it's weird. (laughs) What are you doing that for? Well, we're lifting up the banner, the name of Jesus. And we're releasing something. We're declaring, hey, this is, we're taking the territory back. We are praising our God. And, you know, when there were battles, what would happen is there would be, there'd be a standard or a banner that would, that would mark. And when there would be an army would take forward, they would take down the other banner and set up their flag or their banner or their marker to say, this is now the territory of our people. And so the same thing is happening. We're marking the territory of God. We're marking the territory of the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit. So God's going to ask you to do that sometime. It's for everybody. This is biblical expression of worship. It's not, it's not extra biblical. It's biblical. Number seven. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But God wants to release us in the full expression of biblical worship. Number seven is bowing or kneeling. Bowing or kneeling. Psalm 95.6. Read it together. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. There's sometimes when you just have to get on your knees. And see, see, bowing is just the, the sign of, you know what? When there's a king present, they used to bow. When he would step into the room, what would everybody do? They'd immediately go on their knees. Or want at least one knee. And bow before him. In Revelation, we get the picture. There's a picture of heaven. And there's the four living creatures. And the 24 elders. And they all... They're before the throne of God. They're actually encircling the throne of God. Some of them are behind, however that is. And they bow down and worship. There's something about a, a humility that happens when you, when you bow down before the Lord. There's this, there's this and something about um, the holiness of God. That He is other than. And so, He's other than, and all I can do is I just, I just have to get down because he's so high. 
sometimes my body needs to recognize, hey, I'm down here and you're up there and I worship you. See, none of these are more important than the others. They're, they're just all expressions. Number eight is instruments. There's all kinds of instruments mentioned in the Bible for worshiping the Lord. Um, Psalm 33.3 Sing to Him a new song, play skillfully and shout for joy. And then the next one, Psalm 81.2 Begin the music, strike the tambourine, play the melodious harp and lyre. Now the reason they have all those different instruments is just those were the ones they used back then. There was nothing holy about them. There's nothing holy about a harp or a shofar necessarily. Um, it's, a, it's a biblical instrument, which is great. And when someone under the anointing of the Holy Spirit worships the Lord with that, it's amazing. That's all I can tell you. Is when you, you can sense the worship of somebody when, even when they play their own instrument, when it's done unto the Lord. And so that it means all, all kinds of instrumentation. Um, there was... There was all kinds of singers and um, all kinds of uh, instrumentation, musicians that played. David raised up all these hundreds of musicians. Number nine. Number nine is art. Uh-oh. That's a little bit different. Is it getting hot in here or is it just me? No, it's just me. <laughs> Is that on 72, Tony, that back there? It's, that's usually about what we have it. So, Here, look at Exodus 31. Um, if you want to turn there, Exodus 31, we're going to look at this real quick. We only got a few more. See, and, and the last one, everybody can play some kind of instrument. Even if it's just the tambourine, we got the shaker. I mean, there's, there's anybody can can do something to the Lord. I mean, people can you can use a trash can. I mean, there's people that that really are skillful at making noise, making music with all kinds of strange things. But it's the point is it's unto the Lord. Then uh, Exodus 31. Oh, I've got it up there too. Good. Um, then the Lord said to Moses, "See, I've chosen." Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. I mean, this guy was amazing right here. I mean, he had, some, he had it going on. I mean, he could do... Um, he could do woodwork. He could do um, artistic designs with gold jewelry, probably. And the presence of God would gather. But it says he was gifted. He was given special ability by the Spirit of God to do these things that were expression unto God. And right now, I mean, there's 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 churches where, you know what, art is one way that some people can express themselves in worship to the Lord. And someday, and we've kind of done this a little bit with the with the 48 mops and the things we've done, kind of the, the creative worship. But there there is something about drawing something unto the Lord. Painting something, designing something. And for some people, this, this could be their main point of expression. Yeah, they may do the others, 
But if we don't allow people to enter into their gifting by the Spirit of God... Now, every, you know, everyone's not going to be an artist. I'm not an artist. But sometimes I want to... You know, I felt feel led to just release something to God and it needs to be drawn. It needs to be painted. It needs to be designed in some way. And artistic expression is part of that. And so the Lord may, may raise that up and call you to do that. Number 10. Number 10 is singing or praying in tongues. Welcome to the Pentecostal church. read it together. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. Praying and singing in tongues to me is like breathing. I mean, I honestly just, I have to, when I go to the ministerial alliance meetings, I have to, like, I need to like check my mind. When we start praying or we start doing whatever, if we start singing to the Lord, you know, if there's a pause in the music, I'm going to go, I'm just going to sing in the Spirit. I mean, I'm just ready to let it rip. I mean, I, just, I don't know how to, you know, I just don't know how to explain it. But there is something about that. And that's, that's what the, this whole section of Scripture is, 1 Corinthians 14. We don't have time to go into all the nuances of that this morning. You probably don't want me to. Um, we, we can do that another time. But he's talking about this whole thing of contrasting... Um, you know, the craziness of what was happening in Corinth, which was just this out of control. People were displaying their spiritual pride by, say, by seeing how loud they could speak in tongues or sing in tongues or pray in tongues. And it was a show. It was, it was, a, it was a, a badge of, hey, I'm better than you. That's not the point. The point is not, hey, well, I've got, I've got my prayer language. Well, big whoop. That's, it's from the Holy Spirit. I mean, <laughs> great. I mean... <laughs> You know, it's, that's not the point. The point is, is because the Holy Spirit has baptized me and filled me and gifted me, then I release that gift unto Him. And during times of worship, that's just a wonderful thing. When this is not talking, the Scripture is not talking about that you can't corporately sing in the Spirit, sing in tongues. It, that's not what it's It's not forbidding that. It says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Paul says that. He says, I speak in tongues more than you all. What it's saying is, you know, it's not this thing where it gets out of control where someone's trying to prove something. I'm going to sing louder than you in tongues. I'm going to pray out loud in tongues so you know. And it's, you know, there was confusion going on. But when, when, have you ever been in a place where everybody just begins to sing in the Spirit? And if you haven't, I just... There's no confusion. <laughs> there is no confusion. It's like this song... And it, and it just somehow naturally blends together. I didn't know how to explain it. It's like, I'll be singing in the Spirit, and I just sing in the Spirit. To the Lord. I sing in tongues to the Lord, and you, somebody else will be doing it. And it joins together, and it becomes a beautiful song unto the Lord. And if you aren't baptized in the Holy Spirit, and all you have to do is ask, and God's willing to baptize you, and one of, one of the things He released, usually first, doesn't have to be always, but is, is a prayer language, is a spiritual language. And if you need to ask questions about that this morning, I would say come see my wife during the worship time. Afterwards, during the prayer time, come see her. She's very good at leading you and explaining that. And she will lead you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But to me, it's, it's essential for my worship. It's essential for my personal communion with God. That without it, 
I'm lacking something. It doesn't mean I'm, it's not a less than thing. It doesn't mean before I did it that I was less of a Christian. Before I did that, that I'm not spiritual. Has not, I mean, there's people that... I mean, you've met people who can pray in tongues, but that's about, that's about the, the limit of their spirituality is they can... They've, they've, they prayed in tongues once, they remember what it was, and they can repeat it. But there ain't nothing else spiritual about them. There's no worship breathing from their lips. And I've met people who have never sung in the Spirit once, who've never spoken in tongues once, and there's worship and, and adoration for God just flowing from the depths of their spirit. And, and that's worship. And, you know, if you have to choose between the two, I'm going to choose the real worship. Not the just... But see, it's essential. It's one of the biblical expressions of worship to the Lord. Number 11. We're almost done. This, this always takes longer than I think. Standing. Second Chronicles 2019. Are you all right? Everybody doing good? It doesn't matter. Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go on anyway. I've only got two... I'm only, I see the finish line. Second Chronicles 2019. Then some... Let's read to you. Yeah, sorry. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord the God of Israel, with very loud voice. Seems like it's missing a word there, but... Um, standing. Now, if I'm not wrong, though, I didn't find sitting. But that doesn't mean you can't sit down and worship God, but it was just interesting. I, I, I tried to look for it. The priests would sit down after they were done ministering, um, doing the sacrifices. It was a sign of being done. But standing. You know, when, you're in the, pres- when the president walks in... If he walked in through those doors with all the secret service and, you know, the entourage that goes with him, we're going to stand. We're going to stand up. And sometimes there's just something about... And it's a simple expression, but it's one of the biblical expressions is to stand up and give him praise. Stand up and worship him. Number 12, this is the last one we're going to look at. There there may be more. These are the ones I found so far. Um... 12 is a good number, too. Psalm 37, 7. This is... Oh, silence. Silence. Number 12 is silence. Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. (laughs) Let's look, and then is there one more, sir? Habakkuk 2.20. But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. In the Bible, a lot of times silence was a sign of judgment. But there is, there are times when you just have to be quiet. Letting out a shout is not the right thing. And it's not, and it's not even a place of necessarily. Okay, that's a quiet song. It has it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the Holy Spirit saying, "Wait," because there's all throughout the Psalms, "Wait for the Lord." It's hard to wait when your mouse moving. You know, it's hard to hear Him when your mouse moving. I, for me, it is. Um, <laughs> it's hard to do that, and so sometimes God just wants you to sit. Or, I did it say sit. Just be silent. Whatever position you're in, it doesn't matter. Just be silent before Him. And that's a form of worship. That can be. That sounds like an easy one, but some, for some of us, it's not. For some of us, i got to worship. i got to... 
you know, some of us, we just start moving and doing stuff. And sometimes the Holy Spirit's saying, stop. Because it's, it's almost like, you know, God's rest. He says we, we've entered into His rest by faith. And there's something about, you know what, even if everything's coming against you and all things are going on, and you can just say, just like Jesus slept through the storm, to just be still and just be quiet before the Lord and worship Him. That, that's powerful. Because it's, it's, you know, it's a sign to the enemy, first of all, that I don't have to yell and scream at you. I'm resting in the Lord right now. And it's a sign to God that's saying, I'm here to meet with you. I want to hear you. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you speak to me. And so, worship team, if you'll come on up. We're just going to take a few minutes and work. Um, like I've said before, we're we're here for the Lord. I'm not saying I'm not even saying this. You know, go just draw close to Him and let Him release something new in your heart. You know, there there's some. There's a point of, of singing that's just not stuck to the screen and stuck to the structure and stuck to the words. It's, it's where your worship takes over. It's where you're released into something. And see, all these expressions, don't, and don't just try them to try them. Just allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to it. If He, if he wants you into something new, just draw near to Him, and He's going to release that expression in you, that desire for Him. And whether it's you know, dancing or singing or shouting or whatever, you may have never even sung to the Lord before. I don't know. It may be that you just lift your voice and sing out with all your might. And that's what God is, is doing. But, but this morning, and as we continue on, we're, we want to be a worshiping community. Not just on Sundays. But every day of the week that, that I'm a worshiping person. That I'm full of expression to God and I will express myself. And you start with the familiar and then God can just release new things. I don't even know what else He could release that could be worshipped to Him, but there's the, the creative potential is limitless because we have the creative one in us, the Creator. He's in us. And so as He's leading us, He may lead us to something, some expression that just brings an awesome release. So let's stand. We're going to worship and just allow God to move. I know we've been here. I've been speaking a while again, but we're going to we're going to take some time and worship. We're